Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of Scratch a Track Podcast presented by the Dude and Grim Show and co-produced by Mr. I-V-E-S-T, I'm the Dude. And I am Grim, and today we're going to take a little trip to Akron to the Rubber Factory and talk about the Black Keys Rubber Factory. Yes, third. the third studio album. Release September 7th, 2004. Crazy that yes. that's almost coming up on 20 years. I mean... Uh, yeah, that is pretty... pretty by the time this airs... No. And they just came out with their 11th studio album, yeah. which we discussed. So if you have not listened to that, and more importantly, if you've not watched our episode on it, you should definitely check I, that yeah, out. I would do that. And uh, you know, give us a like and subscribe too, so that way you can be notified every time we come out with a new episode. So... Um, today, however, Grim, we are going to be doing a full-on scratch. Full scratch. Nothing nothing oh. less, nothing more. Looking forward to it. Um, I think it's about time we got to these guys again. Uh, we have done one on Brothers. So if you haven't, yep. go ahead and... Like, subscribe, and comment below. ...episode on Brothers. Because that's a good album. But we're going to go back a few years. Rubber fan, yeah, 2004. You know, this is, I mean, they were, they were gaining steam as a band, but certainly had not reached anywhere of the uh, notoriety that they received with, with an album like Brothers. Um, now, what I love about this album, just kind of overall right out the gate is, is one, it's, it's self, you know, self-produced by the band. Yep low budget very raw and and not only and that just comes through in the recording so well right well yeah and and what i like about it even more is so yeah you have all that stuff so the first two albums they recorded in pat carney's basement but apparently his landlord sold the place that he lived in so a jerk plan a b jerk. right but i at this point they were they were signed to at least a small label fat possum records who also mm-hmm. had you know a bunch of other good and kind of like-minded artists i don't i don't even know if they're still around honestly i know they were at that time um you know see gil Mantera's party dream who was also assigned to fat Possum, but um still to the point where you know maybe they're not gonna like send them over to record their next album in abbey road studios so no. what do you do plan you, b uh re- you rent out the second floor of an old tire factory yeah which is awesome five hundred dollars five hundred dollars a month the whole floor the general tire factory now it's funny because when you first say that to me like as someone having been in a band and recorded there almost sounds like this kind of like awesome sort of like romantic thing about it like it sounds really cool until pat carney says you know that it was such a great idea until they had to lug all their stuff up to the second floor and you couldn't open any of the windows and there was like no air moving through there and it was hot and the acoustics were absolute garbage. (laughs) You know, they had some things stacked up against them other than tires. Yes, absolutely. Um, Well, I also heard that he rented or not rented. He bought their, um, the, the mixing console that they used off of eBay from a former sound technician of the band Loverboy. Yeah. Um, so maybe that was had, the one they used on working for the weekend. I don't know. It's possible. Um, but they had issues like 
with the mixing console the console and this album took them almost five months to record now i'm sure a lot of that has to do with they were probably working jobs and yeah time to 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 do all this but you know we just talked about you know with um delta cream how they recorded that in what a day or a couple of days or you know whatnot and then their most recent album i think they did it sounded like in a few weeks so they've definitely refined the process but back then when you're scraping by dude yeah like it's it's like it's like oh you can do you, you got you got a few hours free? Okay, cool. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go like lay down this track. Yeah. Right? And and well, when you have, obviously, when you have equipment that is malfunctioning, almost like, remember uh, Tame Impala's album? Yeah, they recorded, sure. He recorded at the house. He was like, yeah, like things would short out and power would go out yeah. and we'd lose tracks and stuff. Like, man, when these bands just don't have the resources, this is, you know, I mean, Think about all the bands out there who have stories like this. Oh, like, I know. Oh, yeah, I laid down the perfect track and had to redo it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes the uh, the other interesting story is in the case of True Blue with more when you had the perfect track and you thought, you know what, I'll give it one more try, and you can never get it back because it was on a digital <sighs> A track. I mean, tape is. Was at a premium. Yeah. Now, dude, they used they used apparently it was recycled tape provided by Fat, Fat Possum as well for this, which I think I mean, is cool. I'd like to see. Um, I like the fact that they recorded on tape, but um, I'd like to see. I'd like to know like how many tracks they had, and if there's just because this. there's a lot of. Um, I mean, the way people do things, and especially at this time for them. Dude, they could have very easily just done this on like an eight-track tape recorder, not not a not a cassette tape, like a proper yeah. reel-to-reel eight-track. But I mean, you could have done this with eight tracks, and and I don't think you'd you'd miss a whole lot. Yeah, no, I I that sounds probably about right for sure. Um, you know, and it's it, it's funny because you know this this being recorded in basically an old just run down you know tire factory which now apparently it's 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 been demolished and for for people like us growing up in the midwest i mean that's kind of a a common thing you'll be driving around and all of a sudden you just look out and there's either like this old worn down like boarded up building with windows kind of shattered and things like that or or there's just like nothing a, a, a a a bit yeah there's like nothing but there's like the concrete foundation like the flooring is there with the you know the yeah. tall grass and all this stuff and that's it's just such an interesting thing and they took a they took a picture of that um and that's what Once it was torn for, down what is it lonely for, boy for the single, single yeah. for for lonely boy right and it's just you know for i guess for people and maybe people growing up in different areas but to me that is just such a midwestern thing that i know we've seen yeah. just a ton well uh, we yeah ton. especially where we grew up on the west side of the state but i mean if this were like an encyclopedia entry, it would probably say C Detroit because there's especially when you talk about things related to the automotive industry like this general tire sure. factory. I mean right. And I, I like right. how they incorporated all that into the cover. And I guess wasn't the cover done by Pat Carney's brother? Is that I think so. And you know what? And uh, dude, I have the vinyl, but I'm just gonna leave it in my Oh man. But but yeah, it's it is a cool cover, okay. and I like how it was just sort of a montage of just all these sort of weird pictures that kind of revolved around that factory. There's like the loading docks are in there, the Goodyear blimp, yeah, yeah, yeah. bunch of tires, yeah. 
And if I'm not mistaken, dude, is the traffic light actually green on top, which I think is funny because it's just kind of it's opposite. Yeah, it looks like no, it looks like red. Oh, it is red. red. Okay, looks like the red light is is lit up. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's some. Just looking at this, I mean, I am no Photoshop expert or professional. Oh, it's meant to be a hack job, though, right? I mean, it kind of that's what's it's it's got a certain charm about it because it's like it does. Yeah, it's it's. It was never meant for people to look at it and be like, "Wow, how did is that a so real like picture?" The cover and the the cover and the artwork of more from Dale's Garage a little bit, you know, which at the time was revolutionary. Now it might be looked on a little different. Yeah, but dude, man, I might just have to listen to this again once we get done recording this episode because it's it's dude, it's on one disc. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, forty one minutes. So Let's yeah, see. like like we said, not recorded at. Dan Arbach's current studio, Easy Eye Sound in Nashville. Um, you know, no. probably a uh, very limited far equipment. From it. <laughs> yeah, pretty far from it. Um, but dude, the sound, man. I know. It, it, when you're when you're recording this style of music, yep. you can get away with that, and it you works really, really can. And it I does. will say, despite the the comments that uh, Patrick Carney made about the acoustics being terrible in the building, I mean. I feel like they did an excellent job working around that because when I listen to it, I don't think, oh my gosh, this sounds like it was recorded in a, in, in like a bathroom stall or something. I mean, it sounds, it sounds like it should, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with it, man. I'm really good with it. Um, I don't know, man. What do you think? Are we ready to kind of get into the tracks and go track by track? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't, I don't know that there's any, um, I, I will say, and I know usually you talk a lot of numbers. I don't know what it got rated when it came out. I would imagine it got rated high because I know there was a lot of hype around them and they were just a, uh, like a really cool, unique band then. But even looking at the ratings retrospectively, it still garners really good ratings. Mostly. As it should, man. Yeah. Because, dude. Yeah. I mean, dude, there was a, there was a good three year period where the majority of what I listened to was the black keys when it was right before brothers came out and brothers came out and then El Camino came out and it was like, man, that there was like a three or four year period where, you know, I saw him live a couple of times. Didn't we see him live together at, at yes, in the bottle did. rock? Yeah. Yeah. In California. In yeah. Yeah. And, and man, you know, I was just fortunate enough to to see them uh, a handful of times, and was just really, really into kind of watch them. You know, grow, yeah, grow and, and yeah, progress. yeah, that's yeah. that's really cool. Um, and man, and this was definitely one of the albums that like put the hook in me. For now, sure. did so anyone specifically introduce you to it, or uh... you know, I had I, it was either I mean I don't know who I got them. I think I got most of the stuff. From Joe Boo, oh. or I got it from you, or mm, I, I don't I, think it was me. I don't know. Okay, I don't leave so I had, it. yeah, I had a bunch of their albums that someone had given to me, uh, and so I'd listen to a little bit. But then Brothers came out, and I remember just hearing that, and in like one it week, was a big I, one. Heard, I had heard Brothers, and the Black Keys were then playing Lollapalooza, and I bought a ticket. And they, they weren't headlining. I mean, they were like one of the oh, you know, mid-tier like, yeah, kind sure. of bands, you know. Um, and so I bought a ticket for, I think, like 90 bucks or something because I was like, 
I want to go see them. So I pay like 90 bucks to go see their 45 minute set. You didn't see anyone and else? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I went there. Oh, I okay. saw whoever it was. But it was like just the day pass. And like that oh, was my okay. purpose for going. Wow. I, I couldn't tell you who played before him. I couldn't tell you who played after him. But it I was wasn't like, that time we saw Rocky Erickson though, right? It was not. It was not that time. Okay. No. 13th floor elevators. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right, enough BS. Yeah, I think we, we get into the tracks, man. So, you know, when the lights go Dude. out as the opener. Yeah. Dude, what a great way. I love starting with kind of like the just just the the drum beat or the kick drum and just how how big that sounds, I think there's man. kick and toms in there, but it's really that big. It it's a really big sound and just carries it throughout. And I, I like that, too. And if I'm not mistaken, I think there may be some acoustic in the background with the electric. I'm probably yeah 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 there's definitely which they don't have a whole lot of that i mean up to now it's not really their thing you know so that to me that was kind of interesting just to have that especially on the opener yeah um and i mean again his vocals are really raw Mm -hmm. and rough it's it's a big loud song like it's a strong song but it has a sort of this slower kind of dirtier feel yeah, to it i agree with um that. i really i really feel like i could see it being sort of almost like an opening credit song to like a, a western movie or something like that i was thinking like it, you would say western it, yeah it yeah it has this down south blues feel but that acoustic to me gives it sort of a i don't know i know a there's, bit of a, there's something what, there's something about I it know. like yeah i could just see that so um i mean dude yeah that that definitely definitely hooked me. Um, Ten a.m. automatic. First I, question for you: Have you seen the video? No, I have not. Um, I, I mm. feel bad. I, I should have done uh, my homework better, but I mean, like that's a really a surprise if you Dude. look at my life up to now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> directed, directed by Spike Jones. Not Mark, Rom- not Michael Romanek, not Michelle Gondry, not Spike Jones. One, Tobias Funke, a.k.a. David Cross. Stop it. That's, oh my gosh. Pause the episode. I want to watch that right now. <laughs> Is he all like, in it? did he just blew himself? Or he's, not, he's not even in it. Yeah, he blew himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just Look carry on the tape parts. <laughs> So many parts. Um, it, anyways, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun video. Basically, they're like, there's this. It's almost like this infomercial type thing, not even infomercial, where there's this rabbi reading and talking and there's like this audience of about 10 really old people. And then the Black Keys come out and they play this song and then like nobody claps or anything or they're just that's weird. But I want to I still want to see it. It's this awkward silence and then they just leave. So that's sweet. um, Yeah. But um, and I believe the rabbi, however, is played by the dentist on the city council board in the show Parks and Recreation. Is that um, I forget. I forget. I forget the character. Is he is he on frizzy hair? He's a dick in the show. Oh, I was thinking it was always trying to mess with Leslie. Well, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'd have to look at that. I was thinking it was one of the I thought I was going to. Think you were gonna say Chris Parnell from Saturday Night Live, but it doesn't sound like him based on the hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, so dude, this song 
Um, this song really brings the energy. Yeah, like the, yeah. The first song is strong and powerful, but man, this one really, really it's kicks more, it into it's another It's more gear. poppy for me. And not like it's a pop song, but I just mean in its chord structure, it's not okay. so much blues like the other ones. Not a criticism, just an observation. Yeah. So. Well, dude, to me, this song sounds like it was recorded like in a tire factory. And... Um, you know, I I do. I like, actually I wrote do. that in my notes that it sounds like a factory. Did you? Yes, I did. And, and it man, does. That's awesome. It very much does. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I never really delve too deep into the Black Keys lyrics. I like the lyrics. I think they're good. Yeah, but they're it, not. It, they're. It's not it's like listening to, to me. Yeah, it's not like listening to Dylan. Um, but but yeah, it's not Dylan. Uh, but I do like. You know, oh, what about tonight? Makes a change from uh, sweet to deranged. You know, you got pain like an addict, 10 a.m. automatic. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, dude, sure. They're they're fine lyrics, uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not Dylan. Yeah. It's not Dylan. So, okay. Tie Down. One thing I noticed dun, about dun. Tie Down is, of course, it has sort of the, you know, the, the feel that they've established at this point. But I like that he's playing octaves. The lowest and the highest string, all that as, as he's sliding around, you can hear that. And that's... um Okay. You can do that with a pedal, but it doesn't sound that pure. Like, my okay. God, could they make this stuff any less pure? Uh, you know, that kind of, you know, like Dr. Gonzo. Um, but yeah, that, that sounds like he's he's playing the top and the bottom, the low E and the high E, and just playing the octaves of the notes he wants, which that pure. stuck out to me. I like that. And then the breakdown yeah. near the end. Well, and you do hear, and this is interesting, like in something as a band, when you're a two piece band and you're going to play a song live, like the, the, you know, the solo is, you know, it's a nice overdub with the solo, but, but man, when you're playing this live, yeah, like, ah, you got to take that into account. Like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, I don't, yeah. So now so. when they tour, it's probably amazing, but like, you know, Patrick Carney really just had to make some extra noise on the drums to kind of carry him <laughs> yeah. through, you know? Yeah. Well, it was funny because when I saw them on the, you know, now I think I think for the most part, at least the past couple of times I've seen them, they're out there with sort of like yeah full band. When I saw them at Lollapalooza on the Brothers tour, the first half of the show was was done like just them two. Now that's cool. And then I like and that. then they you know they're like okay well, we got to bring other people out because we want to play these other songs. I like that. So, that's that's a cool yeah. way to do it. Yeah. Yep. Um. Track number four. All hands against hands his against. own. Dude, the intro. I love the intro rift. It it has um, it has like a lot of attitude to it, mm-hmm. and and I, I like it when you know kind of guitarists do that. I don't know. That's the only way I can describe it. It's got like some attitude. It's kind of like he's speaking with his guitar. Yeah, right? and and, um, and I think this is a good example too of where. You almost don't want something that's completely rhythmically and tonally perfect. You, you want like bends and you want slight like like shifting and messing with the time a little bit because it makes it more real. Sure. It, that's like the sure. cadence of speech, like you're saying, where he's like speaking through his guitar. It makes it that's what I think it is, is it makes it more like the cadence of speech, which if it was perfect, you'd sound like, uh, you know, like you were given directions on Google Maps. Yeah, right. Right. Well, and, and I feel like 
one thing they're really good at, and especially as a two-piece band, you, you sort of have to be, you have to, you have to do those sorts of things because you got to kind of constantly, I feel like, you know, change things or make it interesting. You got to have, and one thing they do, especially in this song, there's, they're good at really putting in sort of these simple transitions, which is yeah, I yeah. Think necessary with, with, with a two-piece band. Otherwise it's, it's kind of getting, you know, after a while it's going to get boring and stale. So yeah, it's like, sure. Not that not that you're gimmicky by any means, but you have to be creative yeah. in in sort of keeping keeping things. But that's you know, what's cool because that's like the whole um, statement of necessity being the mother of invention. I mean, when what you have mm-hmm. is this very simple format, you you have to employ these different things along the way, like you said, to differentiate. Otherwise, you yeah. could just you know rewind the first one over and over. Yeah. Well, also with this song and there's something that he does um it, a lot of times i don't know if i'd say he sings but a lot of times you know he he kind of shouts or he speaks the words in this song he actually sings and carries melody mm-hmm. so he does have a variety of of ways that you know he you know delivers well, the vocals he, he, yeah he d- delivers the vocals yeah yeah so um and, and i like it when he when he does both i, I think it is agree you know, it, it is interesting when he's like oh i'm gonna you know i'm gonna sing now oh okay you're carrying melody so mm-hmm. it's yeah now the desperate um, man dude i think the intro riff to the desperate man is um one of my favorites i mean it is so authentic to the sound that they were going for to begin with where you're just i you know it's hard not to just not to just love it i think it is one of the most classic kind of blues sounds in the album but then but then as the song gets going they decide to throw in something that brings me back to like straight revolver area which is the reverse solo oh yeah dude the reverse guitar solo is real sick there interesting Mm -hmm. yeah well when he was one thing that i noticed is like his you know i just talked about his vocals in the other song where he carries melody you know and they didn't have a whole lot of effects and things to play with but this song the way his his voice sounds it almost sounds like he's like singing through a telephone well yeah it has this it sounds like that a lot to me but i think that helps with uh sort of the authenticity, because by doing that, it makes it sound old, you know, dude. Yeah, it makes it sound old. And that's that's part of and I, I do not want to say the gimmick, but that's part of their sound. I mean, it just yeah, it's yeah. it's meant to evoke these ideas of something that came before it. Yep. Girl, girl, on my mind. Is she ever yeah. always always they do that to you, don't they? A lot of good drum fills, um, I, I noted in this one, um, which is it, the way it kind of, you know, breaks up a little bit like that. But I also, um, the dynamics are really good throughout the song, how it kind of builds uh, crescendos and, and quiets down. And the dude, the vibrato on the guitar at the end. Yeah, that's it. It, it is really nice. I'm a fan um, of the vibrato. Yeah, yeah. Um I, this is for me. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. Okay. Um, I I like I like how this song. I don't know. Like I feel like it kind of rocks back and forth. Kind of the beat that ding 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 mm-hmm. ding. You know, it's, yeah, it's, sure. it's it's got that it's 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 got that 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 uh, flow to it. Um, and I, I definitely dig it. Um, then we get onto the lengths. Now, now this is a big this change. Is where the, 
a big change. Really going to slow it down. It's a slow kind yeah. of more of a Ballad. sad yeah. sort of r- r- romantic song, mm-hmm. right? Um, dude. Very the, simple the thing that, song, but yeah. Simple. But dude, the thing that does it for me is... Um, Dude, the slide yep, guitar. That is it's, exactly, it's, dude. It's haunting. It, it is. Haunting. It's weeping. Yeah. It, it's 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 like it's crying, man. It's just like oh, it's so so. And it's sad. it's how it's um, picked. He's you know the, okay. the way it's the, the not not the slide. I mean, just the other guitar in general. And I like okay. that because you got that picking, uh, which is very yeah. much Bing, more staccato. Bing. But the slide is 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 such the antithesis of that. Yeah, uh, and and I think this is. I mean, what? There's 13 tracks on the album. This yeah. is the first time we. I mean, you know, not every song is balls to the wall, but this is where this is a where we really just kind of slow it down yes. midway through. I'm trying to think. Let me let me just look at the. Let's see if we got the track listing on here. I'm curious on the vinyl where they where they make the break. Um. It looks like so. Yeah, it looks like they start side two with this this track. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's like they're here comes the sun. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. Yeah. Do 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 do. All right. Um, track number eight. Dude, grown so ugly. Um, you know they obviously after Delta Cream, obviously they're they're no stranger to, to to covers. Um, yeah, but this is the uh, Robert Pete Williams cover. Now, in all fairness, I haven't heard the Robert Pete Williams version, but I have heard the Captain Beefheart version, which is I probably I well, I have, dude, safe as milk on vinyl. But one of my favorite songs off of that, and he's in Beefheart sings it so good as as a blues vocalist, but. Uh-huh. The guitar, and and one thing I like about it, too, is when they go into the, I got so ugly, I don't even know myself. Like, when he gets into that part, it's really chopped up, and it's a different thing, which it's not as much in the Black Keys version, but, dude, when they get into that riff, it, it is so much thicker, and, it, it, dude, it's so perfect. And I love at the end because they actually double that riff and put some stuff on the top, and it's like okay. extra thick after they get into the grown so ugly part. So that's a that's a tough one for me. As much as I love the beef heart one, dude, this is a hard hard cover to mess with, dude. Ooh, dude, it's it's mm. like quite the contrast of the length. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a great way to pick it back up. But it was one of the ones when I heard this album for the first time, I was like, "Oh, damn! Dude. Like you, yeah. you went ahead and did that." Yeah, it, dude, it it kicks yeah. you in the teeth. It really, really does, and in the really, balls really at the same time. I know. I mean, it's like double kick. Mm-hmm. So then we go to track nine. Stack shot Billy. The other, um, the other, in my mind, perfect example of like the classic blues intro, slightly out of time, but like perfectly in soul and feeling. I mean, it's it's just it's perfect, dude. It is phenomenal. It's uh, might be my favorite song on the album. It, um, it actually, I, I did mark it down as mine. Okay, I find it interesting. This was not a single. And I believe this is the song that I knew. I don't know if I heard it on a show, a movie of of all songs that I had heard 
be before like you know probably putting this album on and really getting into it maybe this is the first song that i, I listened to and it really just stuck out to me um but man this was this is it man this this really this this nailed it for me and was like wow i love this album and i feel i'm going to kind of compare this to a song and it reminds me a little bit in a sense of rocky raccoon by the beatles Mm. as far as as far as it being sort of this story song right like you know stack shot billy in the back of the head and you know in in rocky raccoon kind of has yeah, those yeah, similar similar themes in the story in the story i'm talking about that that they're both telling through the lyrics that's what now, i'm talking do you want to know something there this story I do. actually has nothing to do with rocky raccoon it has to do with one of the most famous um, songs and popular music that has emanated through from the era of like being a folk song into a rock and roll song. It's been covered by mm. the Grateful Dead. It's been, I mean, it's been covered by so many people. And that song is Stagger Lee. And if you look at Stagger Lee, um, is kind of become the bastardized name for it through the years. But the guy who actually shot, and he, he does, I believe, say Billy Lyons in the, the Black Keys song. Now, Billy Lyons is the guy who got shot. And uh, the person who shot him usually is referred to as Stag Lee or Stack Lee. And it's Lee okay. Shelton. And apparently, this took place in a bar on Christmas Day of 1895. And these two guys were like reasonably decent acquaintances, but got into some sort of an argument. And uh, dude, Stackley ended up killing Billy Lyons over a hat, like wow. in a bar, shot him right in the head. And th- and from that, in 1895, this thing has become this folk song that has emanated from back in the 1800s, the 1890s till today. Right. It's really, wow. it's really interesting. It's like, it's like modern folklore. I, I mean, it really Dude, is. But sweet. it's, but it's based on a real event, you know. That's very cool, man. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Maybe we should do an episode just talking about that event and how it relates to um, all this, you know, folklore. I would like songs. to, but I don't know that we would ever do as good as my man. Um, uh, what's his name? Who does Andrew Hickey? Who does? The uh, top, the 500 songs, the history of rock music and 500 songs. Dude, I listened to his album on, or his his episode on Stagger Lee, and it just blew my mind. He had the history, like, down to everything. It was amazing. Damn. Man, I wish I had that kind of time. Oh, I know. The episode was, like, 90 minutes long, but it was so interesting because of just the history. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. But. Anyways, so, dude. Track number 10, Graham. Act nice and gentle. Right? Dude, and written by Ray Davies of the Kings. I know. I thought you would love that. I do. And I could actually, you know, because when he plays, like, especially on the um, Lola and the Money Man, the Money Man versus the Power Go Round or whatever the hell, the Power Man versus yeah. the Money Ground. Dude, he plays. That, that like steel kind of that you could play as a slide guitar and a lot Dude, of that. He plays yeah. that in Lola, uh, I think, and he plays it in um, uh, Eight Man. I mean, and I could hear him playing this song on that guitar. Like, it, it, it would, I'd like to hear 
a Ray Davies oh, version of this. You didn't hear that. Okay. No. All right. So I listened to it. Yeah. No, I listened to it. What can, is it on a Kinks album or is it just a solo? Thing? I, I, yeah, yeah, no, I, be, oh, fuck. I believe it's on a Kinks album. Um, cause again, I did all these notes like a month ago. So I, now I forget. Um, but yes, I do believe it is, but it is, it's like this Brit pop song. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you in this song, I was like, yeah, is that a steel guitar or like a 12 string? But that's a, is that a steel guitar? I, I believe it to be um, the way or the the one Ray Davies plays or you're talking on uh, this one. Um, pro- I could be. I don't know it. I, I really don't know, but I could just okay. picture Ray Davies playing it. I just I'd, I'd love to know. I wish I would have looked up what album it was on. Yeah. Oh, it's I, on uh, the King I forget. I, sh- sh- I should have written it down. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I mean. Yeah. Well, track number 11, Graham. Yeah. Aeroplane Blues. I like this, this song. It's yeah. just like, it is just dirty and it's violent and it's, dude, uh, I mean, it's, um, it's on something else it, by the Kinks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe a little, yeah. That. But I know I love this one. It, it is it's gritty, man. It, it again like the sound of the factory. Yeah. You talking about like the the feedback and the solo at the end, like that? Yeah, it's yeah. But yeah, eyes are heavy, mind is shook, can't feel drugs. That took. Yeah, yeah. I know. I like that line. I like that line. You know. <laughs> Uh, track number 12, keep me, uh, nice little intro. You know, they, they get to this kind of, you know, constant or or, sorry, constant, consistent groove. Yeah. Uh, the song just, you know, it just kind of hops along. Um, it's very, very bluesy, of course, as you would expect. It is. But ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Good lyric. I mean, you know, really good lyrics though. Um. It just it just is. So then you go into track thirteen is. of Till I Get My Til Way. Till I Get My Way. Dude, dude, it just opens with some just nasty fuzz. And I like how that eventually kind of takes the place of the bass, you know? Yeah. As the yeah, song goes on. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really good closing track. Um I, I like that it's up kind of upbeat. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes when I sometimes when I hear and listen to the blues, like either lyrically, sometimes it's, it can be a little more sadder. There's some there's some things to it that, um, but this one I just I don't know I I I feel it has a little more upbeat to me. Yeah. Um, you know. I got you. Calling on my way, or was calling on you every day till I get my way. Get my way. Yeah. Again, he just kind of the way he. Speaks and shouts the words along. Mm-hmm. Now, solid. not on, not on this album. Apparently, just the Japanese bonus track is their cover of "Summertime Blues" by Eddie Cochran. Now, I would love, and I have not heard this. I really want to hear their version of "Summertime Blues." So, if anyone has the whereabouts of this and could uh, send a link, please go ahead and subscribe and comment below. could um, hear that because Do I that. feel like their version of Summertime Blues would be amazing. But with that, to dude, all, of our, all of our fans in Japan who have 
you know, yeah. it's not their import. It would be our import. But yeah, yeah please send us a link. Favorite. Yeah. Ooh, favorite, dude. I mean, I mean, I could give you, I could give you four. I could give you a stack shot, Billy. Uh, Girls on my mind. When the lights go out in 10 a.m. automatic or probably those, that's my top tier. But what if you had to give me one? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, stack shot, Billy. I, th- I think it is. Uh, Damn just, it, dude. Can we go into OT okay. on that? Sure. Over. Um, over. Uh, 10 a.m. automatic. Okay. Would be two. Okay. I'd go with two. two. All right. Yep. What's yours? Well, dude, stack shot Billy being um, number, number one. one. Yeah, for sure. And uh, number two, probably uh, the Desperate Man. Hmm. Or Act Nice and Gentle. Ooh, tough one. Woo. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Interesting, man. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Now, right, well, the big drum roll. I mean, dude, what's... The big- the big come up. The big come up. Yeah. What's the big come down? Uh-huh. Oh, big come down. little nine inch nails reference. I know. I know. Um, all right. Fine. I'll go first. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I have two, but okay. I'm going to go with one here and uh, it's going to be keep me. Um, ah, okay. Kind of doesn't. I, I think it's a fine song. It's, you know, it's, it's got all the elements of a good blues song, um, but it doesn't have, I think, the personality that a lot of the other songs had. Like, you know, going from Aeroplane Blues, way. which is just with with Aeroplane Blues, yeah. which is just, you know, kicking you in the face and the balls. And then Till I Get My Way, I think is a great way to end the album. I, I could easily just, uh, just lose Keep Me, I think. Dude, I really... <sighs> tough not to go into OT. I really considered that, but, and you'll probably won't like this because there are things that I like in this song a lot, but dude, the lengths is, is just, ah. you know, and, and it's not fair. It's not fair to be like, well, it's a departure from the rest of it because dude, great albums have departures from the rest of this, but it's just, it's just the one that I feel like it's, it's an outlier. Well, it's just too long. I mean, if it was a two-minute song, I think it would go over better. But it's almost five it? minutes, oh, and it's like I, you it's know, the longest song on the album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't. And, and that uh, okay. I was just gonna say that is tough. Yeah, yeah, that is tough to have the longest, the slowest song on the album be the longest song on the I album know. too. I know. Okay. It's not us and I them. Couldn't. I mean, you know, it just sometimes <laughs> it works, and you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard, man, because that it, it is one of my favorite songs. I know, on the album. great song, I truly, but but it's just, yeah. it's it's the one that if I had to, I would, you know, so I would do it. So my backup, oh, was actually was actually grown so ugly for and a that, scratch. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh man, that's yeah. hard. I know, I know, but there's. Well, it's only two twenty eight, but I think part of me is just like, especially coming on after the lengths, where I'm just like, it's it's a little jar, it's just jarring. I know, but it's, it's so it's hot, jarring. Dude. It's such a good riff. It is just uh, yeah. Well, yeah. okay, so we're not 
We went into OT on our favorites. That's a that's a first. That's a first. I think that's that's solid. Yep. Yeah. That's so, mm-hmm. I mean, with that, I think that uh, scratches it. I don't know what you'd scratch it with. I'd probably just choose your standard tire iron. Rate. Yeah, that would definitely. I don't know what it'd do to a tire other than break the lugs, but nail. it would definitely. Yeah, it would definitely scratch your vinyl LP. So. Mm. It would. All right, everyone. Yeah, let Thank us you for watching. Let us know what you would scratch. Um, tell us we're wrong or right. Like, subscribe, and comment below. Because uh, we like to debate, and yeah. we like to. All the comments will help the algorithm. So yeah. please, Leave drop it like it's hot. All right, time to go. Scratch Your Track is produced by the Dude Grim. Additional music provided by Moore, that's dot, 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 M-O-R-E, and the Tims, T-I-M-N-Z. Copyright 2022, The Dude and Grim Show.